You are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, York Region. For more information, visit harvestyorkregion.ca. Amen. Let's take our Bibles this morning and turn to uh, Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18 as we uh, take a look at a message in the uh, last message in our series, Powerful Prayer, Changing Me, Changing the World. We actually started in Luke 18 and we were looking at the Pharisee and the tax collector and uh, doing some teaching about the theology of prayer. And then we dove in and we took a look at the Lord's Prayer um, called the High Priestly Prayer, when uh, Christ cries out to the Lord for his followers uh, just before he's about to go to the cross and then uh, go to heaven. And last week we took a look at um, the Lord's Prayer, Lord, teach me to pray, um, our Father who art in heaven. And uh, today we want to take a look at the ministry of prayer and to talk a little bit about some of the nuts and bolts of how we pray. And so I'm not going through a text like I did the last two weeks, but rather uh, using Luke 18 as a jump off point. Uh, for the message today, but uh, think about this sentence. I wrote this on the bottom of the file folder that I used for uh, this series. Um, it says this, um, if we valued prayer, we would do it more. If we valued prayer, we would do it more. Um, that's been an ouch for me a number of times in the last um, three, four months as I've had that file uh, sitting on my desk and uh, thinking about who the Lord is and what he has done and uh, driven me to more prayer. Um, You know, you could turn that on its head a little bit. I did for myself, and I said it like this. If we valued our relationship with God, we would talk with him more. If we truly valued our relationship with God, we would talk with him more. I told you the story when Sue and I were dating. She lived down in the Windsor area, and I lived in the Toronto area, and there was no Skype at that time. There was no email at that time. I know you don't think I'm that old, but I am. And uh, so we had to do things like phone, actually probably dialing the phone. Um, back then, and uh, some of you don't even know what that means, and, uh, and writing letters to each other, but here's what I know for sure. Every moment I could talk with her, I wanted to talk with her. Why? Because a relationship was building, and we were growing, and figuring out we're in love with each other, and we're going to spend the rest of our lives together, and I just wanted to spend as much time as I could with her. But do I do that with the Lord? Do I do that with God? Do I take the time to uh, cry out to him in prayer? And so as we uh, launch into this last message, we want to be challenged by, if we valued prayer, uh, we would do it more. You've got your Bibles open now. Let's stand. We want to honor God as we read his word. And I'm going to read verses uh, 1 through 8. Uh, This is a parable. It's a story Jesus is telling. Often in the parables, um, you find out what they mean afterwards. Or sometimes you're even left to figure it out on your own. But in this parable, there's no doubt what he's talking about. This one is for people like me. He tells you what it's about before he even tells you what it's about before he even tells you what the parable is. So look as we read. And he told them a parable to the effect... That they, had all, that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Okay? This is all about this. We ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused. But after he said to himself, 
Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says, And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this amazing opportunity we have to come and worship together and open your word and learn principles from it today. But Lord, today we especially thank you that I can bend the knee and before your people cry out to you and you are blessed and encouraged when we come. And so, Lord, as we uh, learn about prayer today, would you convict us? Would you teach us? Would you challenge us? Would you rebuke us, Lord? But, Lord, if we need to be encouraged and, and motivated on God, would you do that in our lives as well from your word today? Would you be our helper to understand that you love it when your children come because of the finished work of Christ, we can come. Lord, give us ears to hear and minds to understand and then passionate hearts, God, to live out these things for your glory. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can take your seats. Well, the, the parable and the purpose of the parable, Jesus is teaching, pray and don't lose heart. Pray and don't give up. Uh, some of you have wrestled with this as, as you've watched your children and you see somebody go sideways or you see a brother or a sister or a parent and, and it just seems like they're never coming. They're never coming. Um, hey, we pray and we don't give up. We pray and we don't give up. We've got people in this church who've had uh, husbands and wives and children who, after years and years and years of praying, have come to the Lord, have, have got baptized, and because God is at work, he says, pray and don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up for your family. Uh, you're going to get a report from the doctor this week, and you're not sure what it's going to say, and pray and don't give up. And if the report comes back and it's not good news, pray and don't give up. You're graduating from university and you don't have a job and you're not sure what to do. And hey, if you don't have a job, your full-time job is to go and find a job. But in the midst of that, pray and don't give up. Pray and don't give up. You're not sure you're going to be employed at the end of the week. And you're all on the, I'm going to try harder. I'm going to impress people. I'm going to, all those things are good, but are you praying? Pray and don't give up. In verse 7 of Luke chapter 18, he says, um, And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? God is in control of all this. He is the one who is leading in all this. So children of God, pray and don't give up. Well, so why don't we pray? Why don't we pray? Because if we did a survey in the room of how many people think they pray enough, there would be 0% who believe we pray enough. Um, unless you're just so whacked about prayer that you just don't even understand it. Because how can you say you pray enough, right? You just pray without ceasing. This is the will of God. And I don't pray enough. I'm still learning how to pray. Uh, so why don't we pray? I, I wrote down a bunch of things. If some of these are the things for you, you can uh, write them down. If otherwise, let them go. But um, here's one of the reasons we don't pray. We don't pray now because we didn't. 
You don't pray because you didn't. You haven't made it part of your life. It's not part of what you do. And so when something goes wrong, when a challenge comes, or, or even there's a great victory, it's not even on your mind to pray because you don't pray. So we don't pray because we didn't pray. Now that one's easy to solve. Start to pray. I'm just starting to find some time. We're going to talk about all these things today, but just start to pray. It'll start to become what you do. It becomes the norm for you when things are going wrong, when you're struggling, when you're rejoicing. You, you give the glory to God. When there's a need, you cry out to him. But often we don't pray because we didn't. Now here's another reason we don't pray is because we forget that it's an invitation from God. We forget that God desires that we come. It's not just something that like God's in heaven and go, oh, like, I hope they don't show up today because I really don't have time for them today. No, no, we have an invitation to come to him in prayer. It's what God desires that we would come to him and we would pray. Here's a reason why you don't pray and I don't pray. It's called sin. It's called sin. We don't pray because I don't want to come before God in the mess I'm in right now. Hey, it's not that different than when you were a kid. Uh, I was a kid and I did something wrong and I knew I had to face my parents and, and they were like, where's Paul? He's in his room studying. Are you kidding? I was never in my room studying, okay? But I wasn't going anywhere near them. I didn't want to have anything to do with them at that point because there was something that was breaking the relationship and so I would be anywhere else but with them. And that happens in our lives with sin. Because we know that if I've got sin in my heart and I'm not dealing with it, my prayers are going to hear and they don't seem to be going any further. And, and we need to come and confess our sin and, and get it right with God because he desires that we come. He wants to uh, forgive us. But sin. And maybe that's why you don't pray. You've got this thing in your life and you're like, no, 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 but Paul, if you knew, if you only knew how bad it was, you'd know, I can't bring that to the Lord. I can't bring that to the Lord. Yes, you can. He's the God who forgives. And we need to confess our sin. But we don't pray because of sin. Here's another reason people don't pray. They don't feel like they're worthy. They don't feel like I'm worthy. Like, God is in heaven. I am on earth. Let your words be few. You said it last week in the sermon. I don't, I, like, who am I to come before God? You know, there's a part of that that's true. Who are you to come before God? Who are you? Here's who you are. You're a redeemed child of God if you've trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. You are, as a Savior, you are an adopted son according to Ephesians 1, 5. That's how you come. That's how you come. And so you are worthy to come because of who Jesus Christ is and what he has done for us. And, and so don't do the, oh, no, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy thing. That's wrong teaching about who you are before the Lord. You are an adopted son or daughter of God, and he desires that you come. In yourself, unworthy. Because of Jesus Christ, very much worthy to come. And he desires that we would come to him. It's a false humility. It's a wrong view of God. Here's another reason people don't come to God in prayer. Say that God doesn't care about me. God doesn't care about me. There's probably 350 people in the room. How can God be worried about me when there's all these other people in the room and all these other Christians around the world that bigger things for God to deal with than me? Me. My thing's not that important. You're his child. He cares about you. He knows how many hairs there are on your head, the Bible says. Or in my case, how many have fallen out this week. He knows those things about us. He cares for us. Casting all your care upon him. Why? Because he cares 
for you. So don't believe the lie that God doesn't care about you. He cares about the little bird that falls out of a nest. If he cares about that, he cares much more about you, his child. He doesn't care about me. Here's another thing. We underestimate the work involved in prayer. We don't pray because we tried it. Like It's work. It's hard work. I got to discipline myself. I got to find a time. I got to find a space. I got I to work at this. I need to think about it. It's not just something I flippantly do. Some people don't pray because they underestimate the role of the Spirit of God helping us to pray. I love the verse in Romans that talks about how God's Spirit stands before God and we're praying and it's so unclear to us. We're going through a hard thing and we don't even know what to pray clearly before God. But in heaven, it's as clear as can be because God's Spirit is working on our behalf. We don't pray because we underestimate the enemy. And consequently, we don't pull down God's power in our lives. And um, Satan will try every lie in the book, everything to deceive you, everything to keep you from your knees, everything to keep you from prayer. And unfortunately for many of us, he does it on a regular basis, and we don't pray. Here's the last reason I wrote down. I overestimate my own ability to deal with life. I underestimate those other things, but I overestimate who I am. And I think, I can figure this out. I can do this. I can get this accomplished. And so we don't pray. Well, I want to challenge us in three areas of prayer today. And here's the first one. It's the discipline of prayer. It's the discipline of prayer. Uh, People pray all over the world of different faiths and different religions. And uh, they wait and horns go off and they meet together. Or at certain times they face in a certain direction. Or they go up to a wall and they meet at the wall and they push little pieces of paper into the wall. And all those things are devout people who are disciplined in prayer. Uh, Sue and I were on an LL flight uh, to Israel from Toronto three years ago. And uh, it was interesting. We're at the airport and we see all these devout Jews all lined up facing a phone booth. And they're all like, and they're doing their thing thing. And I'm like, what are they praying to a phone booth for? And then it dawned on me, no, they're facing Jerusalem. That's what they were doing. And we get on the flight, and it's like, I don't know, 11-hour flight. It was long, whatever that flight was. And uh, through the night, they get up, and their tassels are flopping down, and they're wrapping things around their arms, and they're putting on cloaks, and, and they're praying, and they're facing towards Jerusalem as they do it. And they're very disciplined about their prayer. They're very devout about what they do. Now, the unfortunate part is they don't know the Lord. And, and people in different religions and different faiths all over the world, they're, they're spending time in prayer. And the reality is we're called to be people of God. Pray without ceasing. This is God's will for you. And we don't spend very much time doing it. So I want to give you some tools today to help you, but then bring you at the end to what I think is the most important thing. So here's the first thing. It's the where. In the Bible, where does the Bible tell us to go to pray? Well, last week we saw it said, go into your closet, go to a private place, go to a, go to a, a quiet location, have a spot in your home where you're not distracted, and uh, that's a good thing for us to do. But it's not the only place the Bible says that we should pray. Uh, Jesus prayed in the garden the night that he was betrayed. He was in the garden and he prayed. He was in the wilderness when he prayed. He was on the mountain when he prayed. He was on the hillside when he prayed. Jesus prayed all over the place. And so there isn't one place. Well, what about, what about the when? when? When should I pray? Every once in a while, you'll meet this person in your spiritual walk, and they'll talk about, I get up at 
some ridiculous hour. I get up at four in the morning or five in the morning to pray. And they say it like that. And it sounds so spiritual. The reality is they have a weak bladder and they got to get up at five in the morning anyways. It's a lot they're up, they just pray. I don't know, that may not be true. They, they may have disciplined themselves. I'm getting up at five in the morning and, and that's when I'm going to pray. My wife doesn't even believe there is such a thing as five in the morning. And uh, so that's not happening in her life. And um, is, is it more godly to pray before the sun comes up or as the sun comes up? No, no. And so don't let people put you into a box of if you don't pray before the sun comes up, you don't really know Jesus or you don't really love him. Because that's really not the point. So when do you pray? The Bible gives us some ideas on this. In Mark 1.35, just now that I've made fun of the early risers, he says, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out in a desolate place where he prayed. Jesus got up early in the morning before the sun was up, and he prayed. It's not wrong to pray at that time, but it's not the only time to pray. In Mark 14, 23, and after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. And so after the work was done, after the, what was going on in Mark 14 is finished, Jesus goes away by himself to pray. It's in the late afternoon. It's in the evening. Um, in the Garden of Gethsemane, it was in the late evening. In Luke 6, 12, in these days he went out to the mountain to pray. And all night he continued to pray to God. And so we have early morning prayer. We have afternoon prayer. We have Jesus praying all night. There isn't a magical time when you pray. And there isn't a magical place where you pray. But here's the problem. Most of us don't have either of those things. We don't have a time or a place. And we don't have the discipline of prayer in our lives. And as a result, we don't pray. Or we don't pray like we know we should. And so I would encourage you to carve out a time and find a time. I would encourage you to find a place that you can go that can be your place to pray. And will it change? Sure, it can change. People work shifts and kids cause problems and all kinds of things. And you've got to believe Satan's going to do everything he can to distract you from praying. And so it would be great if the Bible had just said, the time for prayer is at your kitchen table at seven in the morning, thus saith the Lord. It's just not there. And so you have to come to the place of discipline of time and place, of crying out to the Lord. That's the where and the when. Or what about the how? How do we pray? Um, it's very practical, some of the things I want to talk about today. And so let's talk about the positions. Do you stand? Do you sit? Do you kneel? Do you lay down? Yes. All of them. They're all in the Bible. And we should practice all of them, but shouldn't be forced to any of them. Uh, but here's the reality. Most of us are pretty laissez-faire about how we pray, I think. We're kind of sitting on the couch and hope we don't fall asleep by the time we're done. And um, How about getting on our knees before the Lord? How about getting on our knees before the Lord? On Thursday, I came out of my office. I went by uh, George's office and, and George and Mike. I look in the window and George and Mike are both on their knees praying in the office. They, were, they weren't doing that to impress anybody. They didn't know anybody would even see them. They'd just been talking about something and they were getting on our knees to pray before the Lord. Um, God is in heaven. He is the creator of the universe. He is the king of kings. And we should not flippantly come to him. 
And so to get on your knees before the Lord shows that you're bowing before him. Uh, flat on your face before the Lord when, when you're in distress, crying out to him is, is not a bad thing, it's a good thing. It's okay to pray seated and it's okay to pray standing and it's okay to pray on your knees and it's okay to lie on your face before the Lord and cry out to him. But pray. Uh, one of the types of prayer in the garden, Jesus uh, said to his disciples, can you watch with me for one hour? And then he went away to pray and he came back when they were sleeping. He challenges them again with prayer to watch with him. And they're sleeping again. He calls them to pray for an hour. Now, how do you pray for an hour? It's like, are you kidding me? I can't pray for an hour. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. And you're like, oh, no, 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 there's just not enough stuff. I'll run out of stuff. Yes, you will. But as you grow in prayer, you would be able to pray for an hour. But prayer isn't just, and Lord, thank you for the day and helping us and adoration. There's lots of different things we can do in prayer. Here's the first thing I would say. If you want to come to a place where, you know what, I'm going to pray for an hour. Maybe not every day, but I'm going to focus prayer for an hour. Well, here's the first thing. Don't start at an hour. Start at 20 minutes. Start at half an hour. Start at something. And, and then do this in your prayer. How about, um, I'm going to arrange, prepare uh, a couple worship songs I'm going to sing that are prayers. They're directed to God. Most of what we sing in our church are words that are directly to God. And sing those. Or let them, let them be sung over you. Uh, how about reading scripture in prayer? Well, I don't know what to read. Well, you will in just a couple of minutes because I'm going to give you some things. But what would you read in prayer? How about this? Psalm 46 says, Be still and know that I am God. And take a couple of moments in your prayer time just to allow God to speak to you in prayer. And then taking time for adoration and confession and thanksgiving and supplication or intercession, asking for God. And you do those things. And could you pray for an hour? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. We read a verse that said Jesus prayed all night. Okay, time for honesty and confession. I've never done that. I've never done that. I, um, I've never been in a thing where I felt that that was calling for me to do at that point. I, I've never done it. And anytime I've tried to pay, pray past 11 o'clock and about 10 minutes later, there's drool running down my chin because I am sound asleep. I have never prayed all night. But what Jesus was going through and what he was carrying all through the night, he prayed all through the night. And uh, maybe you have a burden and you're just going to cry out to the Lord and you're going to read the word and you're going to sing songs and, and you might do it all night long. But pray. But there's another kind of prayer. I'll call it a laser prayer. It's, um, it's Peter walking on the water prayer. And, and he, he, the Lord comes out on the water and he says, Lord, if that's you, tell me to come to you. And nobody else said that. And so Peter gets out of the boat. He's walking on the water and says he saw the winds and the waves around him. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. It's not like that. And beginning to, he was like, ah, save me. That was the whole prayer. That was it. Sorry for those of you who need your hearts going da, 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 right now. See, if you look up, you would have seen that coming. And uh, there was no, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Before I drowned, reach down and touch me because I'm going to die here, right? There are times in the situation you're in, it's so overwhelming, all you can do is just cry out to God for that thing right now. And that's in Scripture too. And that is prayer. And that's okay. 
But pray. But pray. People worry about the depth of their prayer. I love it when new Christians pray. Brand new baby believers. Because nobody's taught them the words yet. They haven't figured out you're supposed to say thee and thou from time to time to keep people happy when you pray. They don't know any of those things. And all they've ever prayed is the prayer, Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm separated from you. I need a Savior. Today I trust Jesus Christ as my Savior. That's all they've ever prayed in their life. And so now they come to prayer and they're just like, hey, Lord, I'm not really good at this because I've never done it before, but I know you love me. And, and, and I'm reading the Bible and I'm finding out that you care about me and, and Lord, you know, I need some stuff and I'm asking you to help me with that and I love those prayers. I love it when people come to God like that. And they may not have learned you're supposed to say in Jesus' name yet and they haven't learned some of the things that we know and all that, but they just come with a heart and, and, and some of us might look at it and they go, you know, they'll grow up and one day they'll be deeper in their prayer and it's like, maybe I hope they don't. Maybe they'll just stay with that simplicity and the Lord will work in them and he will do a work in their lives. Because sometimes I think we get caught in this side of prayer and we've become theologically astute in our prayers and so we know all the right words to say and we talk about God the omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient one, the the one who is the sustainer of all life and all of those things and they're just words that just kind of out of our lips. And if we were actually thinking about what we were saying, we'd be on our faces before God. But pray. But pray. Use some tools that will help you to pray. I have uh, three tools with me here. This is uh, Sue's mom's prayer diary. Um, she went to be with the Lord a number of years ago and we have the privilege to have this in our home and, and we can look at it and I can flip through the pages and see about the hundreds and hundreds of things that she prayed for through the days and uh, the way that uh, God was working. And I see our names in here and Sue's sister's names in here and her kids in here and our kids in here and, and all of those things um, for her brother and for her aunt and for ministries and for people who've affected their lives and uh, for ministries we had been involved in and it's all here all these things she was praying it's not rocket science you buy a binder you put some pages in it and you figure out what you want to write down in it and you just pray Sue has a journal this is her journal you will not see it after but in it, all kinds of things. She's got word verses about praise and adoration. And she's got verses about confession and verses for our family. And, and then she goes into the back part of this. And there's all the things and the people that she prays for. My wife is a prayer warrior. I see her at the kitchen table in the morning with her Bible open and this open. And she prays. I have a card that I have in my Bible. Sue said, you need to rewrite it. I can't even read half of the things that are on it. I know what's on it. I know what they say, and I do need to rewrite it. But, but every day, and it really just a bunch of little things that trigger in my mind things I need to pray for every day. It's not some rocket science thing, but just pray. Just pray. Here's a cool thing that we learned just in the last week or so we uh, have Sue's dad's prayer journal as well because he's legally blind now he can't see it and uh, we were going through it and here's what it says pray for the Stavropoulos family okay now, some of you are in that as well but here's why that's important for you to hear that's been in his book for probably 10 years 
Pray for the Stavropoulos. It, it predated his ever coming here. Uh, Sue's dad was a Gideon and uh, served in Gideon ministries and all the rest. And he was moving out of a role. And George was moving into a role. I, George was in the room last night. He's in Newmarket today. But uh, when I talked to him, I didn't tell him what I was going to say. And Sue's dad has been praying for George and Lisa and their family for 10 years. Why? Because he prayed. Because he prayed. And then God brought him here and he's seen what God has done here and rejoices and, and George has come in on staff here and he sees God answering his prayer. We need to pray. Well, who? Who? Or this is really like the different kinds of prayer. Because one of the things that people struggle with is it's about the, you know, but Pastor Paul, like when you pray, like it, it sounds right. When I stand up here and pray, I've thought about what I'm going to pray. Uh, last week when um, Ed and Elizabeth were at the front, I had Dave Naismith come and pray. That was corporate prayer. That's prayer that's prepared. You need to think about it in advance because you're praying on behalf of all of the people in the room. Uh, Jehoshaphat did that when he said, Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Uh, that was prayer that was before the whole nation. And those prayers need to be thought through. They need to be prepared. And shame on us when we don't do it and we just get up and we just don't know where we're going. We don't know. We need to think about those things. That's corporate prayer. But there's more than corporate prayer. There's, there's prayer that's what I'll call community prayer. Around here, this would be more like in our small groups or in our ministries when, when we get into them and we separate into small groups and the men with the men and the women with the women and there's, there's, a, um, there's an accountability going on and there's a crying out to the Lord about personal things and it's about community. We come together in community and we pray. And then there's what I'll call family prayer around the table. If you're not having family prayer, you need to be having family prayer. Um, Sue and I, there's just the two of us in the house now. We do our family prayer time at night before we go to sleep. But every night, we do that. And we pray. And in family prayer time, we pray mostly for family. But we do it with our family. And then there's private prayer. The time in Matthew 6, go into your closet, just you and the Lord, and pray. See, the disciplines of prayer. But do you do it? Do you pray? Here's the second thing, the design of prayer. I want to give you just a couple of things that you can use. Maybe they will help you in the ways to pray. Uh, somebody used this. They said, they used the word push. Pray until something happens. That's really Luke 18.1. Don't give up. Don't stop. Pray until something happens. Last week we talked about Matthew 6 and I gave you just key words. You could use those as the way you pray. The first one was about relationship. The next one was about worship. The next one was about allegiance. The next one was about submission. The next one was about dependence. The next one was about forgiveness. The next one was about deliverance. You can just go back if you weren't here and listen to that message. You can make that the way you pray. But pray. Or you can use the ACTS. A-C-T-S. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. See, it's good to read the word when you pray as well. You come to adoration. You're like, well, I don't, I don't know. Where do I start? Where do I read in the Bible about adoration? Well, here's a, here's a clue for you. Go to the Psalms and start at 147. Psalm 147.1. Praise the Lord, for it's good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant, and a song of praise is fitting. 
Psalm 148, verse 1, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. And it just goes on with praise and praise. Psalm 149, praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. Um, his praise in the assembly of the godly. And Psalm 150, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. And just praise God from the word and then praise God from your heart. Come to him in confession. Um, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just. Claim that verse before God and then come to him in confession. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Claim that verse in confession. And then come to Psalm 51. David, as he's messed up totally with Bathsheba, having Uriah put to death, Nathan calls him out and he cries out to God, don't take your spirit from me. Restore to me the joy. And he cries out in confession. Read Psalm 51 as part of your time of confession. Allow God to stir in your heart about that. And, and not just about confessing our sin, but coming to a place of repentance, turning, changing our mind about things, moving in a new way, asking God to restore us. Adoration, confession, filled with thanksgiving. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his steadfast love endures forever. Psalm 136. And then come to God with what you need. Come to God with your requests. Come to God with the things that are on your heart for your family and for your friends and for your neighbors. Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. He loves it when his children come. But we have to pray. It's about the heart. It's about coming to him. And so we have to have the discipline to pray. We have to have the understanding of what prayer is. But let me tell you, all of that is really not worth anything if you don't have this last point. This is why you came to church today. It's for this. It's a desire. It's the desire. If you don't have a desire for the right things first, your prayer will be basically in vain. We started out this, this uh, series by talking about how the tax collector was justified. Wouldn't even lift up his eyes because he was before Almighty God. We talked in the next message about Jesus Christ and his, his uh, high priestly prayer. It's all about the glory of God and what God has done and how he is working. And, and then last week we came to the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6. And the Lord teach us to pray. And he starts out with, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want to talk about the desire of our prayers. What's the motivation? What's the foundation? Why do we do it? Uh, so take your Bibles and turn over to Psalm 63. It's the only place I'm going to ask you to turn today. Psalm 63. Sue and I were away at a retreat uh, this past week for a couple of days. And after all the teaching on prayer and I've been learning and uh, um, it was 12 pastors and our wives, Harvest Guys from Southern Ontario, a couple of guys from the States there. And uh, we had a great time together. But uh, the devotional, the first devotional, uh, Jason Matta, who is the pastor at um, Harvest Toronto West, um, he shared with us from Psalm 63, verse 1. Here's what it says. Oh God, 
You are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Oh God, you are my God. It speaks of the need of a relationship. If you're going to come to God, you have to be in a relationship with him. And that relationship comes through, as we've already said, through the finished work of Jesus Christ, where we are adopted as sons. And so we can then come to the Father as an adopted child. Oh God, you are my God. Is God your God? Now, do you believe about God? You believe there is one God? You do well. So does the devil. And he trembles about that. It's not about knowing God. It's about having a relationship with him. And that relationship comes through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. It comes from a relationship through the finished work of Jesus Christ. And do you have that relationship? Can you say, oh God, you are my God. You are my God. If you've never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, it's simple faith in the finished work of Christ. God sent him to be the payment for your sin so that you could have the righteousness of Christ put on you, all of your sin put on him, and you could stand before God as an adopted child of God, and you can say, oh God, you are my God. If you've done that, this verse is for you. And if you haven't, you need to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior and come to the place where you can know you have eternal life. Simple faith, believing your sin separates you from God. You can't fix it. Jesus fix it. I put my trust in Christ and I am saved. Oh God, you are my God. I have to have a relationship with God. Here's the next thing though. This is for all of us who know the Lord. I need to want God. I need to want him every day. I need to want him as a priority in my life. Look what he says. Earnestly, I seek you. Earnestly, I seek you. I want you. Just like in that dating thing Sue and I had. Earnestly, I sought to have time with her. Earnestly, I wanted to be with her. Earnestly, I wanted to know more about her. When we come to God in prayer, that's how we come. Earnestly, you need to want God. He's not there what gets tagged on at the end of the day. He's not, well, I got it all figured out, Lord. I really don't need your help. God, earnestly I seek you. I want you, God. If it was all stripped away, everything you have, everything, your house was gone, your job, you've lost it all, would you still say, earnestly I seek you, God? Earnestly I seek you, God. God, you're my only hope. You're the, you're, there's nowhere else to go. I want you. I want you more. I realize that's all theory. It becomes real when you go through it, and you have to trust the Lord in those things. But is that the passion of your heart? Is that the desire that you have? I need a relationship with God. I need to want God it doesn't mean that other things that we go after are bad things. But the question is, what do you really want? What do you really want? As the senior pastor of this church, what do I really want? Do I want people to follow my leadership? Do I want the church to grow? Do I want there to be more Harvest Bible chapels as a result of the ministry God has called us to? Is that what I want? Do I want more people to get saved? 
None of those are bad things. They're not wrong things. They're good things. But if they become the thing, then it's not the raw, it's not the right thing. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. Earnestly I seek you. So in your business world, in your schooling, in your family, the things you want, they might be good things, but they're not the best thing. And God keeps getting put off the throne because these other things get put on the throne. You have to want God. Here's the next thing. You have to be serious about God. He says, earnestly I seek you. It's not a flippant thing. This is understanding. Lord, if you don't come through for me, it's not going to go good for me. Earnestly, I seek you. That's work. It's about prioritizing your intimacy and what's important in your life. It's about removing the competing affections that, that are drawing you away from uh, putting God on the throne where he ought to be. Oh God, you are my God, the creator of the earth, the sustainer of the earth, the one who saved me. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. Do you do that? Here's how you do it. I need to be desperate for God. He says, my soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I don't think I've ever really been thirsty. I think I wanted a drink of water. I remember being on a walkathon one time, and it was sunny, and, and I thought I was going to die, but I wasn't really going to die, because all I had to do was go like to the nearest store and buy, buy a bottle of water, or the next water station, there would be water. I can remember as a kid in the house going, oh, mom, mom, I think I'm going to die. And she goes, well, go to the kitchen and get a glass of water, right? understand what he's talking about here. He's talking about when there is no water. And when you, when you are going to die, that's the way we're going after God. When you're, I like watching Survivor Man on television. And uh, I watch this guy and he talks about what are the things you need to survive. And I said, you got to have water. You got to have a source of water. If you don't have water, you're going to die. And so in Psalm 63, we've got this picture of how we're supposed to be longing and passionate after God. In prayer, oh God, you are my God, earnestly I seek you. It's like there's no water and I'm going to die. We're in a dry desert and I'm going to die. And I need you, God, I need you, God. See, it's not about can you do the axe thing. It's not about do you have a place. And it's not about do you have enough time. It's about the priority that God is on the throne. And that's where we need to come back to first. We need to get that right and then the other things come out of it. We need to have a desire that strives hard after God in prayer. Well, so what? So what? Luke 18 and verse 1, the writer says, the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. So we've had a prayer series for four weeks, and here's the question, what difference will it make? What difference will it make? Will you pray any more or any differently as a result of hearing about prayer for four weeks? Uh, have you been stirred to spend more time with the Lord? Are there things you didn't know and now you know? And so what will we do with what we know? That's a big thing around Harvest Bible Chapel. It's not just about having more knowledge about something, but what will we do as a result of it? And, and so what difference has the last number of weeks made in your life? Are, are you calling people and going, hey, you know what? I prayed for you today. Have you done that in the last few weeks? Are you actually praying for more people? 
Are you letting them know that you're and to encourage them? And has it made any difference? Do you come before the Lord and go, I don't deserve to be here, Lord, but because of Jesus Christ I am, and I confess my sin before you. And has it made your walk with him sweeter? What difference does it make? Powerful prayer changing me, changing the world. I tried to be very practical in this message to give you some things. And as you're going out today, you're going to get this, um, a card that says, um, I pray without ceasing as we worship, walk, and work for Christ. But each day of the week, and there are just some things to pray for. I, I have a card. Sue has a book. Her mom had a binder. Uh, this could be the start for you. Um, you take it, put it in your Bible. Take it, put it where you pray. Take it, put it on your fridge. But put it somewhere where you'll be praying for the things. Maybe this will be, maybe this can add into, there's lots of things in those binders. A hole's been put in, they slunk it in there, and then away they go, and it becomes part of their prayer as well. And, uh, but they would be people of God who actually pray. See, I think the church of Jesus Christ, and I think in my own life, I've been guilty of talking about prayer. And not spending enough time doing it. No more, I'm going to pray for you. A lot more, let's pray right now. No more talking about how important prayer is, but carving out some time to actually come before the Lord. If you don't because you haven't, then start and you will. If sin is keeping you from prayer, get right with the Lord and get in that place where you can come before him and pray. But let's be people of God who are praying. And as we pray, let's watch and see how God works and changes us. And he changes our world. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the way that it stirs us. I pray, God, that your spirit would work in us today. We've looked at some very practical, down-to-earth things. And Lord, those things of themselves are really not worth very much if our passion isn't, oh God, you are my God. And we take hold of that truth. Earnestly, I seek you. I am dying of thirst for you. Lord, would you give us hearts to go after you like that? more and more each day as we grow up in Jesus Christ, that we be people of God, understanding the power of prayer as it changes me and changes our world. Do this work for your glory. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.